Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain, carrying the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, tablets that were written on both sides, written on the front and on the back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved upon the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound made by victors or the sound made by losers. It is the sound of revelers that I hear. As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets from his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. We all know this story of the golden calf. But it doesn't really start here in chapter 32 of Exodus. If you track back, it really begins in chapter 24. Now, you will remember that Moses has led these people out of captivity in Egypt. They have been guided through the wilderness, and God has gone with them as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. So God has accompanied the people as they have wandered through the wilderness. And now they are encamped at the foot of the mountain and God calls Moses to come up the mountain to meet with him. Now, if you read this story, for the next chapters, God is giving to Moses all the instructions for making these people into uh, worshipful people for before and with God. There are things like how to build the tabernacle, and there are things like what to do with the altar, and then there are things about what the priest should wear. There are all these instructions that are being given to Moses up on the mountain. Meanwhile, down below, the people are getting impatient. And these people start to say, where is that guy Moses? Where is our God? Hey, we want a God who is with us. We want a God who responds to us. We want a God who does what we want God to do. We want a God who we can control. We want a God of our own making. Now, of course, there are Christians today who do much the same thing. Uh, don't just look at these people and shake your head, oh, they wanted another God, because there are people all the time who go, I want God to do what I want God to do, and I want God to do it now, and if God won't, then I'm going to take things into my own hand. Or people who say, well, I think this, and so I'm, I know God is going to do what I, or think what I think. These people get impatient. They forget that God has accompanied them. They forget that God led them out of captivity. These people want a God that they can control. And they turn away from the living God. Meanwhile, 
Moses has left Aaron, who is supposed to be taking care of these people and resolving any problems. And Aaron, when they come to him and they say, where is this Moses? We want a God. Aaron says, all right, give me your gold. Now, now, this isn't really the kind of leadership that you would have in mind. And it looks like Aaron is one of those guys who is uh, conflict avoidant. He, he, he just wants to keep the people happy. And I'm, I'm here to tell you there are plenty of pastors who are just like that. Even if it doesn't seem like it's what God wants, they just want to keep the people happy and, and avoid conflict. Fortunately, you know that's not me. So Aaron, <laughs> Aaron is this guy who's just going to go along and do what the people want. And they're up on the mountain. God says, uh-oh, Moses, those people are rebelling. And Moses says, it's all right, Lord, I'll go down. I'll settle them down. Don't, don't do anything. So Moses starts down the mountain. Last thing that God has done is written out uh, these uh, Ten Commandments on the stones, right? And the Ten Commandments aren't really laws like stop at a red light. They're really the moral code. They tell you how to live if you want to be good people. Here's how to live if you want to be good people. God writes them on these stones and Moses is coming down the mountain. He's with Joshua. And as they get toward the bottom of the mountain, Joshua says, hey, there's something going on in the camp. I hear a war. And Moses goes, no, son, no war. It's a party. And so as they get closer, Moses looks and he sees this golden calf and the people dancing around and worshiping the golden calf. And he gets so angry, his anger rises up that he throws down the tablets and he runs into the camp. Now, lots of times you and I think, oh, Moses, his, he's got this righteousness, right? It's, it's God's own anger. But listen, the text just told us that these tablets are the work of God and Moses has just destroyed the work of God. So many times our own stuff gets in the way of the work of God. Moses, instead of just setting these down and going into the camp, he has thrown them down and he has let his anger get the best of him. You see, all the people in this story have actually turned from the will of God. The people out of their impatience and their desire to control Aaron out of his conflict avoidance and here Moses out of his, out of his anger has undermined God's work for the people. You and I would probably think of these things as sin. And many times we have a tendency to consider sin as something that we do that's wrong and we are willfully making choices. But you know, for so many of us, we aren't like sitting around in our house thinking about how to rob a bank. 
We're just not doing that. So much of the time when we do something that is sinful, we really don't even intend to do it. We don't really mean. It's what the Apostle Paul, when he says, you know, uh, the things that I do not want to do are the very things I, I do, and those I want to do, I don't do. That's really the definition of sin. So much of it is not intentional. If we go back to this word sin, in the Greek, it's hamartia. And hamartia really carries this connotation of missing the mark. So think about this. Think about an archer with his bow who has a target and is aiming for the bullseye. And lets that arrow go, bling, and it misses the target. Now, maybe the wind blew up, or maybe uh, he flinched before he let go, or didn't pull back far enough, or someone yelled at the last minute. But whatever it was, the archer wanted to hit the target and missed the mark. And this, so often, is what happens to us in our own lives. For example, we have a couple of friends and they're arguing about something and we think, oh, if I just say, listen, friends, I know you guys really love each other, just let it go. And instead of resolving it, they get angry at you and angrier at each other. You were intending good, but you missed the mark. Or maybe you're teaching a karate class, if you're Pastor Brian, and you want to demonstrate the kick, and so you set someone there so you can teach and show the kick, and when you go for the kick, the person actually steps in, and you end up kicking them in the face and break their jaw. Now, all you meant was good to illustrate and demonstrate how you do something, but you miss. The mark, Pastor Brian. Or maybe you've often heard people say things, and here is someone before you who's in the depths of grief over a loved one, and you say, trying to comfort them, God needed another angel in heaven. And they say, if that's who God is, I don't want your God. Now, you were trying to comfort them, but you missed the mark. You see, so much of what we do, we just don't have the, the, the knowledge or the wisdom or the experience or the right answer or the words. And while we're trying to do the right thing, we end up missing the mark. And behind this is one of life's little problems. You might say it's probably life's biggest problem, which I would simply call brokenness. You see, we as human beings, you know, we'll talk about our sinful nature, but what we're really saying is we are broken people. We aren't the way we ought to be. There are things in our lives that snag us and catch us. There are these fault lines and cracks within that life has brought to us. And they sometimes cause us to undermine the work of God in ourselves and in the world. 
for Moses. That brokenness manifests itself as anger. For you or for me, it might be fear over something. It might be a wound of someone who has done us wrong and that tape keeps playing in our minds. Maybe we are grieving a loved one and we refuse to let go of that grief because we're afraid that if we do, we will forget them. Maybe we're impatient. Maybe we have something that we've done before that we just don't want to acknowledge. Whatever it is, we have these things within us that are broken and that lead us to do things we otherwise might not do. You know, for Moses, his anger is this brokenness that leads him to this moment of destroying God's work in these stones. But it's not the first time that Moses' anger has gotten the best of him. You will remember that he was living as a prince of Egypt. And his anger flared up and he killed an Egyptian and he had to run and hide in the middle of nowhere. His anger has gotten the best of him before. And in fact, when he throws down those stones, what does he do? He runs into the camp. He grinds up the golden calf. He adds water to it, kind of like the pudding. And he makes the people drink the pickle juice. He, he tells the people, now you've got to drink this calf, which is bad enough. But then he sends some men through the camp to kill some of these people. He is basically, I hate to say this, but he's become a mass murderer. Moses' anger has gotten the best of him. And I think we have to ask, well, what then is the answer to this problem of the brokenness and the broken pieces of our lives? And here in the story, I think Moses also shows us the answer. Because when his anger subsides, Moses is going to have to climb up that mountain again and go back to God and say, Lord, I broke your tablets. And you can almost picture him taking a sack and going back to the foot of the mountain and picking up all of these broken pieces of the tablet, going and getting two stones, carving out new blank tablets, and starting back up the mountain. It is as if this is a turning point for Moses. He finally sees in these broken pieces how his anger is undermining his life in the work of God. You see, this is the first thing, people of God, so often we aren't even aware of the ways that our own broken pieces are impacting ourselves and our world. You can't see what you can't see. You have to Come to this awareness of how your fear or your anger or your sadness or your grief or your 
your frustrations or your whatever is getting in between you and God because once you see it, it can't be unseen. Now, I'm going to give you a weird little example here, but bear with me. There is a nursery rhyme about brokenness, and you all know it. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. This nursery rhyme, we've learned since we were kids. And, and I want to I ask, how many of you pictured an egg? Did y'all see an egg sitting on the wall, falling off? Well, guess what? The nursery rhyme doesn't have a thing to say about an egg. And in fact, if you track back, the nursery rhyme was actually a rhyme written in the 17th century uh, about a cannon that the British Army put on a wall. The wall was destroyed, and Humpty Dumpty, the cannon, fell down and broke. A hundred years later, Lewis Carroll drew an egg to go with the rhyme, and ever since then, Humpty Dumpty has become an egg. But I guarantee you now, you will never again hear that nursery rhyme without thinking, Humpty Dumpty wasn't really an egg. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see the broken place in your life, when someone else points it out to you or you reflect on the broken pieces, and there it is, you cannot unsee. This is my brokenness. And then, just like Moses, we take the broken pieces and we lay them at the feet of God, knowing that all the king's horses and all the king's men aren't going to be able to fix what's wrong, that only the living God in Jesus Christ can heal that nature, those things we do that we don't intend to do. We call that repentance, but really, Moses is just recognizing his brokenness as a human being and giving it to God. You see, the way out of the big problem in life that we are not perfect and never will be perfect is to see who we are as human beings and to give those broken places over to the living God for healing and for wholeness. We have brokenness, all of us. But when we give that over to God, new life can and does emerge. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit,